Welcome to the Six Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode number 64. What's going on, Lauren? Not a whole lot, man. Well, this? well, <laughs> well, actually, well, I don't know why I said that. I think I said that out of habit. Yeah, right, right. Or Just, maybe, maybe a thing. I don't know. But this almost didn't happen this morning. We almost didn't get to do this re- today. Reported for my jury summons. Yes. That I got out of uh, two, three months ago because of a, we had a funeral we needed to be present for, but or I did, um, and went back today. And I'm yeah, recording this podcast with you, getting a couple other things done, and then I'm scurrying back <laughs> you downtown to, back. to the courthouse to see what's next. So this is a, this is a new experience. So for me. I thought you just got out of it last time, but it sounds like you no, just they got rescheduled postponed. me. Yeah, I mean I. I basically had no excuse not to be on a jury. I just had a, I did have a clear excuse not to be on it that time, that week. So does that mean you're just always on the roster until the next one? The judge, no, the judge specifically said, well, why don't we reschedule you for later this spring? And I said, that would be great. Sure. So he put me down for May and (laughs) then I got something in the mail that said, see you Monday. (laughs) So I, I don't know. There was 300 plus people in a big room downtown, uh, waiting to be called and so was at the courthouse because no I, the, I, no because of covid they've got us down at the impact, impact. center here okay is that what town. it was is yeah. it covid yeah that, that, COVID. That's pushed it just down to there? spread us all out mm. they said they couldn't they couldn't do that at the courthouse right now so mm. but uh several cases going on and so i knew it was the chances were decent that i'd get called so i don't even maybe a, maybe a lot of our listeners have done jury duty before i've never done this i'm i'm both put out because i have too much to do like everybody everybody's uh-huh. busy and also genuinely, genuinely fascinated. Like, part of me, I have very mixed feelings about yeah, whether or not I get to be a part of the process. I want to be a good citizen, and right. I want to, and I'm also a law and order junkie. So <laughs> I know it's not like TV. I really want to edit but, in the noise. Dun, dun, right, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, yeah, I'm a big law and order. I've, <laughs> I've seen every law and order episode, and there's like 450 something. Wow. And I don't watch the new stuff anymore. They brought it back recently. They, like you know how we reboot everything. Yeah, I guess I didn't know it. They ever brought ended. it back, um, and it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> That's my opinion. Maybe somebody can disagree. Wait, isn't it, didn't they do like? Uh, well, they have offshoots. Too. I was gonna say there's like the SVU, and then they have like a special an LA version. Unit, and, crime, yeah, criminal. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I've only watched the the normal one. I don't. I just never. Got I can't watch it SVU because it's. I mean, the cases are super dark and twisted. It's, mm. it's you know involving kids and. So I have never gotten a even the letter in the mail that says Yeah, I was like, I was I ever. I don't know what the I don't know how it works. I was talking to somebody walking out and he said he's lived in Wichita Falls since 1989 and this is the first time he's ever been called. Huh. And then he said he met somebody in their mid 20s that said this is the fifth time they've been called. Yeah. So I don't know. And I talked to somebody, I've talked to somebody recently that was like, oh yeah, I, I, I've only been here for like, I had only been here for like six months and I got called, Yeah, you know? And so I'm, I, cause I was thinking, well, maybe it's cause we moved around and we lived in, yeah. you know, in, maybe. in Oklahoma city and then Stillwater and then. Cause and then I've been out of state Worth too. And, and, but we lived in Houston for 17 years. I never got called. I don't, but I'm always registered and yeah. everything. If you're a registered a, voter, if you're. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe this is more reason I shouldn't do like play the lottery and stuff. Because, well, like the ping pong balls. Like the, apparently they're not grabbing mine. So, <laughs> well, and then uh, maybe to jump on you know anybody's cynicism about how messed up you know 
just large scale systems can be. Yeah. But I was talking to a friend of mine who's a convicted felon this morning. He's he's got a, a record, and he was there. And I'm like, um, have you done this before? And I wasn't thinking about his past. It's you know it's ancient ancient yeah. history for him. And he goes to our church, and he's like, yeah, I, I've had to do this five times. Hmm. Like I always have to come show up. I go through this whole process, I tell them that I do have a felony on my record and they go, Oh, okay, go home. Okay. Bye. And he's like, why do they keep calling? Yeah. Me? Why you'd think like save a step, you'd you think know? just scratch that name <laughs> off the list if you're not going to let him do it. So I don't know. How, I don't know how the system works. I don't know. I don't either. I will it's say crazy. there was a, there was a brief noble moment when you're all sitting there, it's 300 of us plus, And the judge, uh, I forgot his name now. He's one of our three district court judges here. And he just made this, it's the same speech, you know, he makes every time he does this, I'm confident. And he said, you know, thank you so much for being here. Our system of justice would not work if you weren't here. Um, There's a lot of countries that don't do jury trials. We do. And um, it's really important that, that you show up, that you take this seriously. Thank you for serving. And I don't know, just, I had this moment in my spirit of just like, whoo, this is cool. You, want, you wanted to like stand up and put <laughs> Yeah, I want to stand up and, and salute or something. <laughs> but uh but that might also be my law and order fandom. Maybe that's it. I don't know. <laughs> you just want to be on a good trial is what it is. I do. Yeah. I've never done it. I don't know. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. I, I will let you know. If you are allowed to I want to know what happens when when you get onto something and it's big and you have to like be sequestered for like a month. Well, I already applied to uh, Survivor a long time ago. <laughs> I was, Just I was, in case they I was in student ministry still, and I even talked to my my uh, my pastor that I work for. I'm like, this, this chances of me getting you know selected are minuscule, but I'm just giving you a heads up. But just in case, if they call me, I am <laughs> I'm going. I'm out, man. I'm gone. I'll see you. I'll see you in a couple months. If it, if it means I'm gone for three months, I apologize. <laughs> I'll find work elsewhere. <laughs> That's right. Um, if that means I lost my job. Yeah, I applied to Survivor once, and I applied to The Amazing Race with a friend a um, long time ago. We made a super, I thought, funny, but uh-huh. cheesy video. Uh-huh. And uh, I think the amazing race was one that like, if you were in that era, like everybody was like, you had that other person in mind. Like, this is who I would do. Oh, totally. And we would totally be awesome. We would be so good. at. Oh, it it would be so fun too. (laughs) I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I have only applied for one. And you got it. And I got it. No, we have talked about it. Have we talked about it? Tell our, tell our, tell our listeners uh, what show you were on. So back in, let's see, it was, I guess the early 2000s. Uh, or maybe the team, maybe up, up close to, I don't know, 2010, somewhere around there. Had to be closer to um, 2010, I think. Wipeout was, <laughs> uh, was a, was a, a relatively decent hit. And, um, my wife and I lived in, in, uh, Southern California at the time. And we just, uh, she had a, she had a, a job at like a, like a retail store. And I was working part-time for a church and trying to figure out what we were going to do. We just didn't want to live in Oklahoma and Texas at the time. We, Figured it's time to do something else, so let's go somewhere and do something. So is we that moved. when you went to California? Uh-huh. Okay, and so we had only been there for I don't know six six months or so. I can't remember exactly when it was. And uh, um, this was back when Craigslist was a big deal. And I saw a post on Craigslist that was like, "We're looking for people to be a part of the game show Wipeout," and I was like, "Okay." So I sent them a message, and they I got a. I mean, it was like it was like. 1 a.m. and I'm still like up looking at job postings and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life and and uh, I was like well obviously I'm going to go win fifty thousand dollars and go on this game show so 
I, uh, I got selected and they called me in. I had to go sit in front of a, a, a room of people in front of a camera in Burbank. And, and then I had to sign this like ridiculously thick document of all of the ways that you might die. Like I specifically remembering it saying that like NBC would not be, or ABC, I think it was ABC. I can't remember, but they would, they were not, um, they were not liable if you were decapitated. <laughs> like I was like, Oh my gosh. And so I'm sitting in a coffee shop, like down the street from the studio. And I'm just like flipping through the pages of this, like not really reading it. Cause come on, who's really going to read a document that's that crazy. And then, but like, like random things like that stuck out to me. And I was like, okay, so basically I've signed over my life. So if I die, I can't sue them or my wife can't sue them. And, uh, did, so, you have a, did you have a decent life insurance policy at the time? No, good grief, no. Are you kidding me? I probably didn't have anything. Yeah, she would have been. Surprised you didn't get get a like a, a pretty cheap term <laughs> fat life insurance policy. And I was like, Just I mean, going on that show, man. I try to think. Let's see. I was probably uh, I was probably late twenties. Yeah. Well, you about, also felt you're, you're going to live forever. Yeah, right. Age. I didn't think about anything, so I went on. I went on the. Do game we have show. video footage of this? We don't. Uh, actually, there's there is. Do you very at home in a in a safe have video footage? <laughs> we we bought the episode on on VHS uh, tape. On, yeah, on, on VHS. <laughs> um, we have a uh, we bought it on on Apple TV. Um, so we bought like that specific episode. Oh, so you have it? Yes, yeah, so we have it. Um, I'm I'm not like a featured person because they want you to be like super goofy and like right. they literally tell you to talk through the entire thing as you're going through. I'm just not I'm not funny that way and. And uh, I'm not like silly, goofy, funny. You didn't even you didn't even do it on purpose. I mean, you, you, you consider doing you, it on purpose just so you get more airtime. You try, but it's like I'm I'm not funny this way. So, huh? Yay! And but man, I like I I wiped out uh, I think five six times on five different obstacles throughout uh-huh. that course, and with some penalties because I think I wasn't funny, so they gave me penalties. <laughs> um, I swear. I would have been I would have been like number ten and so moved on to the next round, but I ended up like thirteen, and so I was like the first alternate in case somebody didn't want to go to were, the next but round. But you were done, so I was done after that. But they made me come back, and it was like I, I like you fall and the water is muddy and it's cold, and we had like uh like like water suits on, like it was just it was exa- it was just crazy. And I I literally I remember getting home afterwards. My wife was at work. It was dark. I got home and I just collapsed on the couch. And I was just like, I can't, like, I feel like I just got (laughs) the stuff beat out of me and it hurt so bad. I had so much mud and dirt in my face. And then, uh, like a couple days later, I like the whole, like you, you just sit there thinking, what in the world was I thinking? (laughs) Wow. That is, that's absolutely nuts. And then a couple days later, all the mud's out of your eyes. You're not quite as sore anymore. And you start thinking if they called me, I'd go back. I'd go do it again. And it's just like, no, I wouldn't now because I, I don't think I could survive that, but that's funny. It was, yeah. So, uh, I, I, feel I haven't done jury duty, but I've been on a game show. That I have, was ridiculous. I have been on national television once. Oh, I was also on, um, uh, the price is right. I didn't go on stage, but we had one of our friends went on the price. No is way. Right. Yeah, well, we lived out oh, that's there. cool. Was that Bob Barker or was that Drew Carey? No, it was Drew Carey. Okay. Which he was, he did really well. He was like, he did like stand up in between, like it was like commercial break and he'd do stand up. Oh, that's stuff. fun. It was, it was fun. That's fun. And we had a kid, we had, we had one of our, uh, one of our, our, um, I think it was one of our students. We took this, we took the, the, the youth group from the church at the time because they were trying to pay their way, which apparently if you have a group of people, they will pay you 
to bring your group of people and be on the show. And one of ours got up there and she, she won like this ridiculous looking like pineapple, uh, iron, um, patio set, like super, furniture. Super and it was niche. Like, it was like yes. a student. It was like, <laughs> why would they want that? You know, it was ridiculous. So, there you go. That's my, those are my stories. I've never been on jury duty, but went on a couple game shows. Love it. School's almost out. Yes. How's your family doing? Uh, school's almost out, so my family's excited. My wife is working hard on the home stretch as a teacher. Um, girls are excited about summer coming. Uh, I think I've joked on the podcast before. I know my wife is listening at some point this week that uh, we always talk about how fun Carrie's coming back. Yeah, that's um, right. Fun Carrie. Yeah. And 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 just so y'all know, we're not jabbing. This is this is started by Carrie. I have I have heard these these Carrie words will from, claim. from Carrie. Oh yeah, yes. she's like oh, and then and then late August she'll be like, "Fun Carrie has died." <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Fun Carrie goes back into so the they're hibernation excited. cave. But I will. You know what? You make me think. I just. Uh, you know, I know, I know. Most of our listeners are local. I'm sure <laughs> we don't have a our national audience doesn't seem to be picking up. <laughs> um, but, but man, just just a quick shout out to everybody involved in the the Wichita Falls ISD and the anxiety that everybody's feeling. A lot of cuts, mm. um, a lot of talk of other possible cuts. Uh, I've got sp- because I'm I'm married to a teacher and because my wife. Uh, is a leader in her math department over at Ryder High School. And because I know several folks from Colonial um, that are talking about it, man, it's just this is a heaviness about, you know, the the difficult decisions the district's making and um, unknown futures for some people. So I think all of us should be praying for our, uh, our local school district and the powers that be uh, for wisdom and, um, and for any teachers you you care about, any any folks working in the district, just to know that they're they're feeling that. Even if they're not feeling like my wife is is ultimately not anxious about her own position, um, just based on different factors. And she has, she's been here a while now, and and that kind of thing. But she really cares about some of the people who are very up in the air. Yeah, and still she, people you work with. Yeah, she's walking around with that weight. So. Mm. And then I was talking to somebody at Colonial yesterday, and she, boy, she was just a hot mess, hmm. just really anxious about what does this mean for my family? What does this mean? Are we going to have to move this summer? Am I going to have a job, you know, next fall? Yeah. So it's kind of put a little cloud over, oh, school's almost out. Oh, yeah. summer's coming, you know. But this is also when the contracts for mm-hmm. for people in district for the next school year are usually done by now, I think. Um, if not, they're done real soon so and not having a not having a um you know anybody i'm immediately related to or spending a lot of time with being a teacher um or working in that i don't have i don't have i don't don't think about that like that you know so it's like oh yeah we hear about all those cuts and all that stuff that you know you add that posts and then it's yeah moved on. but you don't have the feels anyway brooke we've talked about this so it's a double whammy you're you're distant and and lack of from the school emotions, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Speaking of emotions, uh, Mother's Day is coming. Up this Mother's weekend. Day, yes. So if you didn't know that already, this is your heads up. This is your warning. Yes, this is my warning that Mother's Day is this uh, weekend. I love my mom, and I'm saying that knowing she's not listening. I'm not kissing up. <laughs> she does not listen to the podcast. Uh, I love my mom. I don't know how many folks can just tell some really great stories about how much they love their mom, how much they appreciate. Uh, so much of the thankless work mothers do, you know, um, you know, one of the 
Hang on, I feel like I have to say it now, just in case my mom <laughs> listens. I also love my mom. Do you? Yep, I do. That's so, inconsistent with what you usually say, though. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm recording right now, I'm so kidding. I have to say it. But Okay, uh, now you can move forward. Go ahead. I, I will say one of the greatest gifts, though, uh, to me personally, just to... Speaking of the feels, I know we were joking earlier about <laughs> lack of feels, but um, just trying to be sensitive to, to different people and their stories. Um, and, and then, of course, as a pastor, I want to I want to know more of where people are coming from and better understand, you know, with our infertility journey back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, where we've been really open over the years about multiple miscarriages and a lot of disappointment and frustration and sadness and even crises of faith, you know, around that, where are you God in this mm. and, um, crazy adoption journeys. Um, but, uh, um, in light of that, it really shed a whole new light on this, this day, this mother's day, a great reason to have an excuse to, to love moms. Well, to honor moms, but also just, there's no way to, first of all, We'll honor our moms this Sunday. We'll 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 at least mention that day and pray over um, our moms and and the people in those roles. But I'm just heavy hearted for there's couples that are facing challenges of just wanting so desperately to have a child. There's there's uh, singles who who they they really want to be married and and have children and they they are not there yet. Uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, women, a lot of couples who've experienced uh, miscarriages, um, stillbirths, uh, or the death of a child, loss of a of a child that's a little older. Um, I'm thinking of some stepmoms that come to mind that are just facing the challenge of raising kids that that maybe don't value them or don't have that unique relationship with them. Um, foster parents and all the challenges there. Uh, I'm thinking of mothers who've had abortions. Uh, I'm thinking of fathers who've been down that road with them as well. Maybe even encouraged that to happen. Mm. Um, I'm thinking, man, a couple people come to mind, even in our church that have, uh, grown kids, but they're estranged. Their, their, their relationships are not good. So I say all that to say it's Mother's Day and I'm going to, you know, love my mom best I can with some words, with a gift. Uh, I'm going to help my kids love their mom in some kind of tangible ways. She's an acts of service girl. So on a lighter note, um, I've already ordered a new silverware basket for our dishwasher <laughs> just for Mother's Day. Just for Mother's <laughs> because Day. Because that's the way to my wife's heart. <laughs> Hey, happy Mother's Day. It's I not bought sexy. you a vacuum. <laughs> no, no. And I bought her a vacuum cleaner <laughs> several years ago. And it was her favorite. She's <laughs> she like, thank it. you. You love me. <laughs> uh, now go use it, dadgummit. Um, That's right. But in all seriousness, we're going we're gonna to have some fun with it this weekend. And at the same time, I'm just, I'm heavy hearted for you ladies out there that w- for all the things you have faced or are facing, it's like, you know, it's similar to Christmas. Christmas is such a fun, meaningful time of year and suicide rates, Mm. you know, peak around Christmas time because the sadness we feel about loss, about, um, estranged relationships at that time of year just gets harder. It's like ripping open the scab all over again. Yeah. So 
for any of you that are hurting in that regard, um, we, we at least are aware we, we may really just suck at uh, empathizing well or, you know, I say this in advance of Sunday, we may not even use the right words mm-hmm. in the moment on Sunday when we're all gathered together, and it may happen in other churches too, but just just know that um, we love you and, and we're, we try our best. I, I say this as a dumb guy too. You know, part of this is we males just can't fully um, – put ourselves in your shoes. You guys rock um, so many ways. I did read, I, I think I think almost everybody knows this, I did read early on, learning science, that just the way God made women physically, um, your pain threshold, your hips, you know, everything uniquely different than men, that we would die if we had to have children, <laughs> you know. I think both the way our bodies are made, and because we're just wusses compared uh-huh. to you girls. You, Man, the strongest, I've, gonna have to turn in my man card strongest person in our house is my wife man she is just her pain threshold is through the roof it's so cool um she's such a giver i digress i'm not kissing up carrie you know i love you (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh so mother's day this sunday um i also i also enjoy that it's a it's a typically a little more highly attended weekend of the year i think mom's uh, really value uh, more often than not, you know, being with family on Mother's Day. And one of the things a lot of moms like to do is go to church together. And they drag their husbands that maybe sometimes don't go, or they drag their kids that sometimes don't go, or or maybe even the mom doesn't usually go, but it's a special day to go together. So I hope, I hope we have some extra folks even gather together this Sunday um, for good reason to be together on Sunday at yeah. Colonial. Well, uh, speaking of Sundays, um, we are in week two. We just had week two of our origin story series, looking back at the beginnings of the church and uh, finishing off the book of Acts. Um, maybe I say that a little prematurely as we're looking at the, the whole second half of the... About to say, we're in chapter or, 11 or two-thirds out of 28, <laughs> so um, uh, we're going to be here for another uh, few weeks, but... Yeah. Um, then we'll take another break. I look at this, and like to me, this is such an interesting story. Um, not not just because it's an interesting story, but but just like to to see this like subversive culture movement that that expands all over the place. Yeah. And and as you talked about, um, you know, coming through the persecution of the church and how that scattered everything and. Um, you know, so it's not just where it was based around, you know, Jerusalem, um, that now all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, even with your fancy maps that you had, that it's now all over the, you know, becoming all over the Mediterranean area. And, um, you know, and it's just like, man, watching, watching those kinds of things happen mm-hmm. or reading about it. I yeah. Can't, I can't watch it, but, um, you know, reading about that happening and how, this small group of people have had their lives changed in such a way that in spite of all of the madness and all of the things that came along with that newfound belief Mm -hmm. that now it's like they really, really meant it because they had to, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a fake thing. It wasn't a cultural thing. It was the exact opposite of all of that. Mm -hmm. And then therefore expands beyond anything that they would have ever imagined. Yeah. It's crazy. It is pretty crazy. We were enjoying, uh, you know, we have we have a Sunday night group that I'm a part of with my wife and and a bunch of other people. We were at uh, the Waters house last night, and I I think Wayne 
uh, Waters, our, our leader, said, you know, I've got British and Irish roots, he was saying. And just to think through the, the he called it, the, you know, the diaspora, the, the spread mm-hmm. of, of, the, of Christianity, you know, into Syria, into Africa, all the way into to Italy, to Rome, ultimately to the British Isles, you know, ultimately to the U.S., to where I'm a Christian here in, you know, grew up in North Carolina, living in Texas, part of a Christian church. And just to see that on a map, you know, over time to go, that's so cool. What Mm -hmm. what an impact um, that, you know, for generations in that regard. Um, And also, you know, it makes me think too, you know, Christianity for the first three centuries was a subversive movement. It was not uh, the majority of people. It was not connected to government or um, it wasn't culturally acceptable or culturally normal. I, I, think, I think one person I, I have enjoyed learning from defines culture as whatever is normal for the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Paul, you know Doug. I do. I love that definition whatever's normal for the journey for the for the majority that's culture and for here at least up until very recently literally last couple years the majority of americans said they were christians the majority of americans said they went to church um i think we're starting to see that change uh and you know what i'll say this out loud this is not a popular thought although i think i think everybody will know where i'm coming from i'm actually excited about Mm -hmm. our time I know, I know there's a lot of fear out there about, you know, persecution, even that we're experiencing nothing like what we talked about Sunday and beheadings and prison, but, you know, persecution from government in different ways or persecution in the schools or, um, maybe persecution, you know, just in relationships with people, the way they're, they're seeing Christians differently these days. But you know what excites me if I can, if I can turn this positively is we look back at the last 2000 years. And the times that Christianity has just blown up, the times that people have watched Christians living differently and loving well and sharing the gospel, that it has expanded, it has, it has changed people, it has changed culture even. Without exception, it's been when it's a subversive movement. Mm. And, um, and so what's so refreshing is to think back, think back to what people were thinking when they're watching Christians love their neighbors, when they're watching Christians uh, and their generosity, watching Christians uh, deny themselves and what they want and serve the people around them and share the good news, the hope of Jesus. These were not normal people. These were the minorities. These, these were the, the crazies, if you will. <laughs> And you either thought they were nuts and you wanted nothing to do with them, or you were drawn to them. Mm. It was it was a it was a polarizing experience for a lot of people. Yeah, and I actually am excited about. Are, are we getting to do that now? You know, and um, it's, it's it's it's. I mean, it's cool to see and and read about those the the thoughts of the people that were looking out at that. You know, that's like, but now they care about kids. 
oh, they care about women, or they care about the poor people and the sick people, or old, or old people, or why? Why do they care about these? Like I, I remember I, re- I read at some point that they that they referred to them as atheists because they ignored all of these other gods. That it was like yes, there was a time the when us being called Christians, being called atheists, was a badge of honor, right? Because yes, you're right. Caesar's not Lord. All these other gods are fake. I don't believe in any of those gods. Oh, you're an atheist. Well, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, okay. Um, yeah. I, and it's tied to even my experience growing up in Europe um, where you know the overwhelming majority of the public does not claim to be Christian, uh, where I grew up in Germany. Uh, granted, that was in the 80s, uh, and I, I don't know that things have changed much there, but um, it's also why I enjoyed our time in Colorado you know, for 10 years. Actually, a fairly conservative state, uh, outside of the metropolitan area of Denver and Boulder, but, um, but you know, a very conservative state overall. But I just, I really enjoyed that most of my neighbors didn't go to church. Most of my neighbors didn't know what to do with me, not just as a Christian or mm-hmm. as a pastor, but as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I had to live out my faith. Do I really believe this or not? Yeah. And here in Wichita Falls, um, I remember when we first moved here four years ago, uh, a couple of my kids were like, man, all of my teachers are Christians. Yeah. And I think everybody's a Christian here. And I'm like, Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it feels that way. Yeah. Um, but that's our culture. Uh, it's the pressure to, to at least even say it. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, church, don't whatever. get me wrong. I love that. There are more Christians here that have poured into my kids. That's, that's the sure. huge upside being back in the Bible Belt, mm-hmm. back in Texas. I love that. My wife and I love that so much. But but my Abby, who's almost 19 now, freshman in college, she's already started to lament a little bit. She's like, you know, I look back at my high school experience in Wichita Falls, and it was really hard to figure out who was a Christian and who wasn't if I didn't know them really well. Because mm. it just seemed like everybody was, yeah. you know? And now I'm at a state school in Oklahoma, and I'm made fun of for not wanting to do this or that. Mm. I'm, I'm, it's a, she's not in San Francisco, you know, she's in Oklahoma, but she's at a large state school right. with a lot of people, especially at her age that are like, no way, I'm not a Christian, you know? Mm. And so even on her hall to go to church on a Sunday morning, she's in the minority, you know? And I, I'm almost excited for her at this level of growth for her to have to wade through. Yeah. Do I really believe this? Is this it, make, it makes her own. Is, is he yeah. really, is he real? Does yeah. he keep his promises from yesterday? Is he good? Can I trust him? Is saying no to these other things that everybody around me is saying yes or vice versa, is is it worth it? Um, I, I love that, especially, I, you know, I don't want my six-year-old asking those questions. I want my 19-year-old, yeah. you know, really wrestling with that. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, we had we had similar. Um, well, I I don't, I don't won't speak for my wife, but um, similar experience in you know going to going to a state school in Oklahoma and um, and having to make those decisions. You know, mom and dad's not around anymore. It's not right. just an automatic. Oh, you got to go do this. And we moved to California, and it's like when you're here, it's like, oh, hey, you know, how's it going? Oh, what do you do? Oh, where do you go to church? Like it's like the second question you ask somebody. You know, after their name, maybe it's the third one. Right. You go to California, and it's it was like, no, that it wasn't a part of the conversation. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, well, no, I don't. I have to figure out how to have a conversation with people now mm-hmm, because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we don't have the built-in easy ones. <laughs> but 
Well, so so talk about the um, the expectation of suffering that you mm. talked about, um, where you know if you're living in the Bible Belt now, um, your expectation of suffering for Jesus is probably very very um, uh, slim, if if at all. And then it's, you know, because of the persecution, because of all that, because of being an outcast due to what you are stating and believing, your suffering level is drastically uh, increased. Um, uh, it just makes me think about, you know, the ways that we hear, we hear following Jesus um, as, uh, I, mean, I guess, like prosperity gospel, almost like, you know, it's like, if you follow Jesus, then you're going to get this, and this is going to make sense, and this is going to happen for you, and, you know, what is the, the name it and claim it, and, and uh, you know, it's so drastically different from that, uh, that expectation they would have had then. They didn't think, oh, I'm going to start following Jesus, now I'm going to get the job that I want, and mm marry the wife that I want and have all the kids and make the job that I want and everything happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's not a popular, uh, exciting thing to, to embrace, to teach, to, to hear someone else teach, to, to really wrestle with. But I, I think there's a couple things come to mind. I didn't say this yesterday, but, um, first of all, suffering should be an expectation for all of us, not just Christians. You know, I was dwelling yesterday, first of all, on the the expectation of okay, if you sign up to follow Jesus, you're going to suffer. That's that's from the Bible, but but let's back up. We live in a fallen world. We we know this as Christians. This is our this is our worldview. This should shape. These are the lenses through which we we see the world. We know that God made everything good. God made everything perfect. We know that that the fall uh, is what we refer to as this momentous game changer where humanity's rebellion in the garden, uh, resulted in this huge splash. I just picture this ripple effect that changed everything. It changed the whole world. It's why there is death and disease. It's why there is selfishness. It's why there's violence. It's why there's greed. It's because we turned our backs on God. And while God has set, you know, into motion, this rescue plan through, through Jesus, and promises to renew everything in the end. This is this is the the way we see the world. Christians and non-Christians, we live in the same infected world. Uh, we we know this. Everybody knows this intuitively. There's violence around us. There's war going on in Europe. There's there's terrorism. There's sickness. There's COVID. There's cancer. There's there's uh, betrayal in relationships. Uh, we know it in our own. <laughs> we just look in the mirror, right? We just we know it in our own our own darkness, our own darkness. Um, so Christians and non-Christians, we've got to see that this is a normal expectation for, uh, for pain, for suffering. Um, I think even the most idealistic, uh, naive parents know that at some level they've got to prepare their kids for rejection at school. They've got to prepare their kids for bullying. They've got to prepare their kids for their own mistakes, um, and tragedies. And so that's one thing. Um, but then to take, to take it really to where we are as Christians is, is suffering is flat out promised. I mean, it's not, Hey, you know, it might happen to you. No, no, no. It's promised in Mm. scripture that if we are going to follow Jesus, it literally means at the, at the very, very least 
we can wrap our brains around this. We're swimming upstream. We're, yeah. we're, there's inertia, <laughs> you know, there's, there's pushback. Um, at the very, very least we are, what does Jesus say? You know, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself that suffering. <laughs> Even if you know it's good and good comes from it, you've got to sacrifice that suffering. Um, and you've got to be willing to do the things that other people are going to, at the very least, not understand, maybe laugh at, worse, maybe bully you over, maybe punish you for. Uh, and so I, I think people who have... One of the reasons I said this yesterday and, and wanted to highlight this in Scripture as we study our origin story as, as the early, from the early church is I really believe that people who've, who've been given a realistic sense of what it means to follow Jesus, if, if we really understand what the cost is going to be, mm-hmm. I think we're going to be that much more faith-filled disciples. I think we're going to actually mature uh, highly more likely that we're going to mature into the people he wants us to become. Yeah. It's, 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 it's when we have this naive understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. We, we have a misunderstanding of what right. is going to be required of us that we get disillusioned. I think that's why the prosperity gospel is not only, you know, heresy, it's mm-hmm. not truth, but it's so damaging is because, I mean, just use your imagination. Think how many people have bought into that over over the centuries. Right. And then when they get sick or their spouse cheats on them or they get fired or fill in the blank, their kid, you know, breaks this femur, you know, and they're just like, whoa, this doesn't add up. Yeah. And they get disillusioned. Their faith crumbles hmm. because their understanding of discipleship meant success and health and comfort and popularity and nope, nope. Scripture doesn't promise none of that's going to happen. It just says that will be hard. This life is supposed to be hard. In fact, I'll transition to leadership for a moment. I I remember talking to another ministry leader just last week who said, it's not supposed to be this hard. Hmm. (laughs) And I quickly agreed it's not, is it? I mean, working with people in the church and loving each other well, it shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. But right away, I thought back to this, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know what? Actually, it is supposed to be really, yeah, really hard. It's not, it's not natural. Yeah. It's not normal. It to to really love each other well is is we can only do it with with God's help, and it's just not natural for us in our sinful state. So, well, it's like I. I uh, I hesitate to say it because I can't remember the book or what the actual statistic was, but basically the the book was talking about if 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 people are given that expectation up front that Christianity, that following Jesus is um, is going to include suffering, they are more willing to endure it and more willing to stick with their faith throughout that than if they went in not expecting suffering, that they thought it was going to be easy. And then when the suffering does happen, they are more likely to uh, to walk away from their faith yep. because of it. And I, yep. just, I that was like, wow. I was just looking up a couple passages while we were starting this conversation, and, and Peter writes about this uh, in First Peter 4. He says, do not be surprised when the trials come. Uh, do not be surprised when the trials come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And that just flies in the face of, of prosperity gospel. Yeah. You know, um, 
well, this is strange. I just, I just lost my job. Hmm. My faith must be too small. Yeah. No, maybe not. It may have nothing to do <laughs> with right. your faith. We live in a fallen world, and you obviously didn't pray hard enough. <laughs> and I think you know we we joke, but I think that's a problem. I think there's a lot of us. Um, I think a lot of us just have bad theology, mm. and I think, uh, I think that's why we do this together is so we can, you know, not pounce on each other when we have yeah. bad theology, but but correct each other and point to truth, and that's also why the Bible is so important. You know, I. I know that we've got a low Bible literacy, you know, measure um, in in recent generations, and um, and I'm not even a big reader myself. I'm much more of a visual guy, movies, TV, but we've got to be immersed in Scripture. We've got to be reading the Bible. We've got to be studying it because it's our it's our plumb line. It's our it keeps us grounded to things like this. Like, oh, I should expect suffering. Mm. Oh. At some level, and this is really where it's crazy, I'm supposed to, you know, uh, Peter also writes, we're supposed to rejoice hmm. that we get we get to be like Jesus. Look what Jesus went through for being faithful. Yeah. At some level, we've got to totally change our perspective and go, well, if this is because mm-hmm. I'm pursuing faithfulness to Christ, if that's why, um, then I, okay, okay, I'm all in, you know, um, which is a heck of a lot easier to say on the outside. Heck of a lot easier <laughs> to say. Heck of a lot easier to talk about this after that season of suffering has passed. Um, sometimes we go through different seasons that are harder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also why it's important to be in community where when we're in the middle of it, we've got other people who can empathize and have come out on the other side yeah. and give us hope, you know? So... I am curious what suffering will look like in our increasingly pluralistic culture. You know, I think about, I think less about what I'm having to go through now, but what about my kids? What about my grandkids mm-hmm. in, in a culture here in, even in the Bible Belt where it's becoming um, less and less blatantly, you know, Judeo-Christian and more and more, hey, whatever, whatever you think, whatever you believe. Uh, I know we're a long way from the more liberal parts of the country um, or a long way away from, you know, places overseas where they're they're literally imprisoning Christians or even killing Christians still. Um, but I am curious, just as a dad, as a future granddad someday, as, a, as just thinking about the people that come behind us, what will this, what will it mean, what will it look like to faithfully suffer, hmm. you know, um, Well, I like that. I like that they, you then have the example of that uh, of the early church meeting the needs of those that were suffering mm. and saying, "Okay, yeah, not only are we are we sending you people that can help meet your spiritual needs, but we're also sending sending food. We're sending, sending a check, sending fun, f- fat, you know? <laughs> fat checks, yeah, and um, saying, okay, well, we obviously you, you have a spiritual need, and we're we're going to help meet that, but we're also going to help meet your physical needs, and yeah." And to know that, you know, there's the example of that. So when we go through that, that's part of what we're called to, you yeah. know, as you, as you said, you know, when you, when you, there's, there's others that have come out on the other side of that and can give you hope, but yeah. also those people can say it's endurable mm. and they can help you on the, you know, it's, 
that's I mean that's what we that's what we're, we're we do all the time is when it's you know so you got somebody in your small group that's going through something we come together and say okay well what do you need right we got you food for X you know oh here's a check or let's babysit or mm-hmm. you know what oh I'll come mow your lawn or clean your house and um, you know so I I love that those are that, that that's tied in there as well so it's not just like okay you're gonna suffer but it's also like and we're here to help yeah. and be a part of this with you, not just good luck on your own. And yeah. hopefully we see you on the other side. The two things that you just said that jump out to me are the term with, you know, we're, we're meant to suffer with each other. We're meant to be with each other in the hardest of times to encourage, to endure together, to give hope to. And then the other uh, thing you, you say just makes me think holistic, you know, it's, I don't need to give you a track tracked with a few, you know, bullet points of truth when you really, really in the moment need clean water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all at the same time, I don't want to be satisfied over time giving you clean water all the time mm-hmm. and not making sure you know the reason for the hope that I have, mm-hmm. which is Jesus. And, but it's holistic. It's It's the work of the church is you could argue is to primarily meet spiritual needs. You could argue is to primarily be messengers of the gospel, but along the way it demands that we meet other felt needs really well uh, so that we can be heard, so that we can be believed, so that, so that we, so that people can see the heart of God, which includes our physical needs. He, he, he cares about, um, Every need we have, and uh, and so I, I love the example of the early church that that strived to meet both spiritual and physical needs. That's a great example to us when we find ourselves drifting toward either extreme. You know, and I think even even the 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 with as as easy as it is to say, like that's something we struggle with so much is that it's hard to be with someone Ooh. to suffer with someone if you know. It's one thing if it's like, you know, somebody that's super close to you, say you, your wife, you guys are both dealing with the same thing. Like dealing with the same thing is is an easy way to suffer together. But for I, maybe it's just our culture or certain personalities, like when somebody's going through something, it's really difficult to suffer with them and stay with them and not just be that like, you know, pat on the head, like, right. I love you and you tell me what you need. You know, we've talked about that a million times, like. Tell me what you need. Let like, me know if you need anything. If you need anything, give me a that's call. Not, that's not with. That's not suffering with. Even that's if just, it's good intentions, right? It's it's showing up, even when they say no, 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 no. I, I don't need anything. Right. It's, it's still showing up. It's, it's still, the okay. Let's go sit in the let's go sit on the patio yeah. for the next couple of hours while I have other things that I could do and yeah. a show I could watch or or whatever right. and and sit here with you in the pain and dealing with it. And I think we struggle with that. Absolutely. Or at least some I, of us do. Th- this is probably such a reach and maybe not directly applicable, but I just had this image in my head pop of my favorite scene from Goodwill Hunting uh, with Robin Williams and Matt Damon. And I mean, it's not a direct application, but I just had this image because because he's out of context. This may not make sense to any of our listeners that haven't seen that film. Oh my goodness, what a great, great film. Uh, crude language, fair warning, uh, but incredible story. But Robin Williams plays the psychologist who's counseling uh, a young Matt Damon student, uh, and and he's dealing with his trauma and the abuse he suffered as a kid, and 
and he just says it's not your fault. And he says he just kind of wryly grins and goes, yeah, "I know." And I think that stop it right there. Not with someone is to think, okay, he said I know. Yeah, he knows now. And it's then nice. to talk about, you know, sports. <laughs> <laughs> but this trained professional says, no, I mean it. It's not your fault. And the guy says, I know. It's not your fault. I know. And it's like he just kept being with him and speaking truth. This is a random example, I know. But to cut to the chase, Matt Damon's character ends up bear-hugging him and sobbing in his mm. arms because he was hurting and so I think it's a little bit, a little bit of a reach here, but I just think of the people who really are in need and we know it or we sense it and we say, Hey, is there anything I can do? And they say, no, I'm good. Thanks for asking. And, and Even we move, when we know we, that's not the best way to do it. We still, it still is the, it's the it's, easy thing. Yeah. But then we move on. Yeah. Like we don't just show up and mow the lawn or, or we don't just tell them, Hey, I know you got pickup of kids today. I'm, I'm getting your kids or. Mm-hmm. Whatever, you know, I know you say you don't need anything. Here's some, here's some groceries. Yeah. Um, Force the issue almost. Yeah. Shoot. Give anonymously, you know, serve when they're not looking. Or just listen, you know, just, you don't even ask them what they need. Just ask them some questions. Just Mm -hmm. be present. There's something about with, and the church has beautiful, maybe less than, you know, normal, less than, less than, uh, frequent times of, of when we see that happening, we see people with each other, but there's a whole lot of other times that we see it or we even experience it for ourselves of just disconnection, yeah. you know? And that's such a, the, uh, of you use the word beauty. It's such a beautiful way to see community. You know, we've experienced that when, something was going on, whether it was, you know, somebody specifically bringing over food or a friend with kids calling and saying, Hey, let me take your kids so that you guys can go, you know, take a nap or, or a date or whatever. And, or you've got, you've got appointments and stuff. And it's like, we're going to take your kids. Like, you know, that that's even, even when it's, even when it's anonymous and, I, I mean, there's there was a day. Probably shouldn't anonymously take their kids. Maybe not anonymously. Um, <laughs> my children are gone. Uh, I, you know, there hey was, kids, you want some candy? <laughs> like, let's not let's not be those people. No, no, no. I'm in the van. It's over there. Um, we, uh, you know, there's there's been a day. Can you edit that part out, by yeah. the way. <laughs> That's right. We'll get, get rid of that. Uh, there was a day that I, uh, we've come in and uh, like we've had we've had a small group that handed us an an envelope of cash mm. and just said we love you guys. It's love. We know what you're it's going love. through. Love. You know, mm. we've had other times where I walked into my desk and there was an envelope with cash and I have no idea where it came from and I I can make assumptions, yep. but that's all I've got. And so we just have to know there are people that love us and that are, that are trying to take care of us and help us with medical bills and things like that. And, and it's like those, that's the beautiful side of community that when we go alone, you don't, you don't get it. Well, and I say this to everybody listening. Uh, I, I realize I am a connector type. I am highly relational. There's some other things I suck at or, or don't value as much. I, I value relationships. Um, but so I don't know how this is received, but I just, I just want to plead with everybody listening. I want to plead with all the people I get to do life with here at Colonial. You've got to fight for community. Like you don't back into 
close relationships. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think some people visit a church and they leave because they didn't they didn't think it was friendly enough, or they didn't feel like people talked to them, or and, and and part of that shame on the church, shame on Colonial, whoever that wherever that's happening. But at some level, you you've got to you've got to want it, you know. Yeah. Even even uh, you know, say Colonial's your church, say you attend and you enjoy it. But you just don't feel connected. You don't. You're not in a group. You're not. You know. You know. You have to take the risk of signing up for a study for for rooted for mm-hmm. a group. You, you've got to take the risk of asking somebody to go to lunch with you. Um, and I think for our introverts, that's harder. For people who are hurting, who uh, who ironically need it the most, it's harder. Uh, and so. It, it, basically, I guess what I'm saying is it's on both sides. Like, yeah. as church leaders, we've got to fight for systems and processes that work. We've got to fight to train up leaders who will help people connect. Uh, we've got to recruit people who are going to go pursue yeah. folks relationally. But on the other side, I just I'm, I'm pleading to an mm-hmm. audience now: you got to want it. You know, when everybody's busy, everybody's tired. Uh, Everybody has their masks on at some small, if not large, level and, and doesn't want to let somebody look behind the curtain. You've got to take the risk of time, the risk of embarrassment, the risk of uh, cost in different ways. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to land the plane and say, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. For any of you that are on the edge, it's worth it. Because even if you don't need it now, when six months from now, a year from now, three years from now, you're going through the hardest thing. You got a dozen friends that you're journeying with and they're not your family, you know, and they're not your best friend from high school. And they're not maybe somebody you've been doing life with for 20 years, but it's this group from church that you've been meeting regularly with in homes and having meals together. And you've been having, maybe they're rare, but you've had these different breakthrough moments of really seeing you're not alone mm-hmm. in what you're struggling through. Um, it's it's just different, and it's what we're made for. Um, well, and speaking from the the non connector side of that, you know, if you want to go to the five voices, that's like my fourth. It's like yeah, n- so nearly the bottom. Like you gotta uh, want it, Brooke. You, like how hard is that for you? Well, and it, it, it is difficult, but it, but it's also what I was gonna say is like finding community doesn't have to mean like now you have to go be best friends with everyone and you have to be the great, <laughs> right. the gregarious person at the front door of the church waiting to, to welcome everyone in and smile and shake everybody's hands and give everybody a hug. Cause shoot me now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love everyone. Uh, that's not my position, you Note know, but it doesn't Thomas, mean don't recruit Brooke James for the welcome team. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, Jared, not going to happen. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to like lead the group or that you have to share every little bit of your life and your story and everything. And maybe at some point you find those people that you can do that with, yeah, yeah. but you do have to step out and say, okay, well, I need some community. That doesn't mean that everyone at the church needs to know who you are and needs right. to know everything about you and you have to connect with everyone. But there is that, like, it doesn't have to be the extreme level of, I think, where you're, like, when you say, oh, man, as a connector, and I just want, you know, like, I'm just going to go talk to people, and, like, I'm going to go over here and do something. And if I talk to this person over here, like, I've connected with that person. And I I have a golf buddy that we have gone through some similar things, and we have good conversations it's to me that's a that is creating some community yes. that doesn't have to be the extreme version of where my head my maybe the fear in my head says that i'm so 
supposed to be or that I heard from you. So does this you know, re- does this resonate with you? Because what I hear you saying is just like I'm tying these two things together. Just like trying to be with someone in their suffering. What, what's the cliche? Half the battle showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could even argue the majority of the way we share somebody else's burden is just showing up. It's not having the right words. It's not having the solution. Yeah, it's just being with them. You could argue the same thing is true to find community. Okay, maybe you don't have to have the pace of you know really quickly going deep with someone yeah. or or valuing that person above all others. All of a sudden. Maybe you don't have to worry about pace, but but showing up. Mm-hmm. There's something about, and I have enjoyed that. Like we've done Rooted two semesters here at Colonial, and I've enjoyed multiple stories. I'm not making this up. Out of uh, 110 people, I think we've taken through it, multiple stories of people saying, I was really unsure, but I just showed up. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do this, but my wife made me show <laughs> up. They made me do it. I, I changed my mind four times, but I decided to show up. That have on the other side, and by by other side, I mean you know a few weeks, you know ten weeks, twelve mm-hmm. weeks gone. I'm so glad I showed up. Like this was worth it. Yeah. And and I have a few people I call new friends at Colonial, and and several of those folks I'm thinking of, their groups continued to meet and in homes and mm-hmm. blossom. And so that's my plea. I think meeting wh- where you're saying is Brooke. You don't have to be the end all be all gregarious. Mm-hmm. extrovert it's just showing up you know um that's the risk you know to love that's another cliche that you know to love is to risk uh, you, we don't get to hold back our feelings and our time and our um embarrassment risk we, we and, and fall in love with somebody like you <laughs> you have yeah. to risk to find love you have to risk to find friendship same, same in the church with community, you have to risk at least a little bit, you mm-hmm. know? Um, we talked about trusting leaders, you know, in the way that the early church modeled trusting Barnabas and Saul, uh, trusting the elders back in the church in Jerusalem with their gifts. Um, that's risky. Mm-hmm. I, I think we feel that in 2022 more than they did then is because we know from Twitter and <laughs> online news and that, oh, there's another story of fraud. There's another story of uh, sexual impropriety, uh, another story of a hypocritical Christian leader. Um, we've got our own stories right here in Wichita Falls of those kinds of stories. And I, I think that understandably makes our hearts harder, makes us less willing to risk, makes us hypersensitive to when, oh my goodness, I'm thinking of, uh, I even had a good hard conversation with our elders uh recently about you know a couple times i've misspoken and and one of those times i came back and apologized here on the podcast and and um, but that still really bothered some people and i think i think whatever level of distrust there already is with leaders christian leaders in general um it just makes those kind of moments harder when you misspeak Mm. you know um and so uh that's why, if I could digress and be real, we, we always like to let you guys peek behind the curtain here on the podcast. You know, I'm even wrestling with, you know, on one hand, I feel trusted by a lot of people in a very humbling way. Like, why do I get to be a pastor? Why do I, mm-hmm. why do I get to say, follow me as I follow Jesus, like Paul did? Why? why? That's, wow, so humbling. 
and all at the same time, uh, it's, I guess if I can use this word, it's exhausting because, um, the, the level of distrust, the climate of distrust of institutions like the church of Christian leaders across our culture is so rampant that, um, boy, all I have to do is be misunderstood for a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, all I have to do is have somebody say something that's not true about me. That's remotely believable. That's gossiped about. And, um, whew. and so I think even, even recently I've been wrestling with both the positive, man, why do I get to do this? Thank you, God. And just the weight of, okay, Lord, help me strive to be trustworthy yeah. and, and not, not let the, the negative, um, climate of distrust caused by leaders in general, um, you know, negatively impact me, I guess. I, I'm forgive me. I made that about me a little bit, but, but there's so many things, you know what, you know what, maybe I can wrap this up. I, I'm looking back at, at the passage we looked at yesterday yeah. in Acts 11 and there's not, this is also hard as a teacher. There's not one point. Yeah. You know, it's right. not your Andy Stanley sermon with one sticky point, you mm -hmm. know, that, that, by the way, I love those messages. I, I taught, you know, adolescents, high school students and college students for years. And I just, I, I, I strived to have one sticky, you know, landing spot and just hammer it, you know, and cause you want it to be mem memorable and impactful. And I teach through whatever it is, you know, 15 or 20 verses in acts. And it's like, what does it mean to be a Christian language wise? And what does it mean to, to, to wrestle with this truth that God does keep his promises? What does it mean to understand they, the church met spiritual and physical needs? What does it mean to, you know, to see, oh, they gave sacrificially and they, they trusted their leaders. Like there's, it's like this list of lessons mm -hmm. we can pull out of each mm -hmm. of these little small historical teachings that, that also excites me. It's a, uh, it's like, okay, God, which, which one or, or two of these truths do I need to hear today and wrestle with? Yeah. Okay. We got to wrap this up. Um, I, I have one other question I want to ask. Um, some, a question that came up from, uh, from, from yesterday. Uh, it's, it's, it was a totally different subject, so I didn't want to um, derail us there. But um, you, you talked about uh, the mm, Greek word maybe yeah of of christians yes. and that it, that it ultimately breaks down to little anointed ones i think is what you said right correct um so the question is uh, as we've always heard in the past that this that that meant little christs that that a christian was a a basically a small christ or a little christ following jesus um so what is the difference in those if there is and why would why would the people outside of Christians um, looking at looking at them calling them that called why would they have been called anointed ones like if I'm looking at that going that's weird why would I have called them I see what you're an saying. anointed one well the short answer is it is the same thing as little Christ's um, and maybe th maybe this will make sense to y'all um, to your question Brooke. Um, it's a combination of two words. My, under, my understanding, I should say that. Come on, get your Greek out. My understanding of this Greek word, Christanos, is a combination of two words, which is Christ and little ones. Um, so the little ones, we, I think we can wrap our brain around. We're, right. we're, the, we're the little ones following the big one. You right. know? Um, 
But that first part is Christ. Well, where does that word Christ come from? I'm not trying to be funny. It wasn't Jesus's last name. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jesus actually was a common name, by the way. Um, <clears throat> but it was Jesus the Christ. We say Jesus Christ all the time. It really means Jesus the Christ, which, by the way, was the Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah. Messiah right. So, so you could just kind of use this linear thinking. It's it's little anointed ones, which really means little Christ, which really means little Messiah. Um, anointed one was a term for the coming Messiah. So you could say the the king is coming. You could say the savior's coming. You could say the chosen one is coming. You could say the anointed one is coming. All of that meant the same thing. The Messiah is coming. And then you translate that into Greek. It's captured by the word Christ. So it, the short answer is little anointed one, little anointed ones, and little Christ is exactly the same thing. Okay. To your point is, I, th- I think where you're logically going is, man, if I didn't know a dadgum thing about Christianity, why would I call them little Christs? Especially if I didn't believe that 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 he was the yes. Messiah. But I, I think I think I, th- I think I just kind of answered the question there without meaning to. Is you wouldn't call them, for example, you wouldn't call them little Christs if you never heard the term Christ. So clearly, this name to me, logically, I'm not saying this definitively, but logically to me, my reasoning is there were people who who got up close enough to these people to not only see the way they lived, obviously, but to hear the things they talked about. They were talking about the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, and they were followers of him. So so these people that called them little anointed ones or little Christs obviously got up close enough to hear that terminology. There's Because because my logical reasoning is from a distance, they know nothing about Christianity, nothing about Judaism, nothing about messiahs and Christs, and they're not going to use that language. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, it's funny how nicknames, nicknames always come from the outside. You ever try to give yourself a nickname? <laughs> it doesn't work. No, it's you know? not. Yeah. I mean, we try every once in a while. Like I, I moved from Colorado, and I'm not even going to do it here because that's that's literally shooting myself in the foot. But I had a nickname in Colorado. I had a nickname in Texas that journeyed with me to Colorado somehow because my wife uses it a lot, and and other people picked up on it. She does. She does. She's that's all. Funny. She's all, you really? know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. She, she yeah. calls me that all the time. Really? Yes, because she loves it. She just thought it's I, it, it's it's only it's only weird because I never it, right. Rare, I rarely hear well, you. I don't get to move to Wichita Falls and say no, 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 no. No, this is what you call, call me. This name and see, I'm not even going to say it on the podcast because I'm not trying to <laughs> not trying to make it happen. But you can't give yourself a nickname. It, uh-huh. Nicknames only really stick and work if they're coming from the outside. So, for example, when I served for four short years in the United Methodist Church as a young, uh, I was at my, my title was youth director. Um, I was still finishing up college in the suburbs of Houston. And uh, I learned where the term Methodist came from. And the reason that John Wesley and some of these other folks were called Methodists way back in the day, I think it was, ah, I'm going to, I hesitate to say. A while ago. It was a while ago, a couple hundred years ago is they were made fun of by other people, other Christians even, because they were so methodical. 
They would get Wesley and those folks would get up at 4 a.m. and they would do their prayers and they would do their reading and they would do their studies and they would do it like clockwork and they were made fun of for being so methodical. Oh, those Methodists. And the name stuck. And now it's like a denomination. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we are the Methodists, right. you know? So sometimes nicknames just stick and they don't have to be positive or negative or um so so we don't know for sure when little little anointed ones or little Christ was said or who started it. Was it was it mockery? Yeah. Was it reverence? Was it you know, was it somebody in the camp on the edge that that started I don't we don't even know. Mm-hmm. We don't even know. But what Luke writes, very black and white, is says this is when they first started being called Christians. Mm. That's kind of all we know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. I just want I didn't want to leave that out and uh yeah. yeah so you know what I love? Can I say this before we, we hang up? <laughs> is I love when I'm talking and you, you're, I'm looking across the table and you wince or you make a face and I really go, oh no, what did I say? What did I do? Or what is he thinking? <laughs> you guys missed that on the podcast is, is the faces we make at each other sometimes or um, <laughs> anyway, just for fun. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I make some faces sometimes. I like doing this it's... with you, Brooke. Thanks for serving our church and and being a part of just us digging a little deeper. Well, you know, I appreciate it too. I like that you uh, keep doing it. So that's a good thing. So um, next week we have um, another, um, another, another chunk of Acts, correct? Correct. We will be in Acts 12. And Mother's Day. And Mother's Day. Yes. So this is your fair warning. You have from whenever you listen to this until Sunday, whenever that might be. That it's uh, that it's Mother's Day. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is the E6 Podcast uh, from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com, but you should download our app from the App Store, the Google Play Store, all assuming that you have not already done that and you don't listen to this all the time and you hear me say all these things repeatedly every week. So um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Send us your questions. Send us thoughts um, or feedback. Podcast at colonialchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We're going to pick it up again next week. Assuming that uh, you don't get jury duty and we don't see you because you're sequestered for the next couple of months. So.